have failed me for the last time, Admiral. Don't make me destroy you. I am your father. And folks, you heard that right there. It's Star Wars Day. I got the Fire of Fizzle Star Wars Edition coming for you. And we talked about all the uh, childhood things when Walker asked me about was I a Star Wars fan. And then I revealed to him that I went to Ewoks on Ice when I was a kid, but which I was taken out on the ice for a lap and was given a kiss by the Ewok. So you could hit us up. On the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Give us those childhood events that you went to that were a little bit maybe on the awkward side. But what, what you got going over there? Well, if, if we want to go down that road, trying to find some more of those events that were uh, written into the text line. I'll try to find those a little bit later on. We did have some people writing about your college football takes, though. 704 said, yo, Good. yo, this is Seminole Sam. Pause, big dog, on FSU. Okay. We play more big out-of-conference games than Clemson or anybody else in the ACC. So that's from Seminole Sam. 704 wrote in, Drake May can't load up on coastal punching bags this year. And, you know, Mac Brown, who's out here yesterday, was certainly arguing or he was complaining about the schedule that was it's a hard released schedule, for them as well. So what do you have to say about those two comments from Seminole Sam and a 704 number on Well, for one, Seminole Sam, like I said, stop living back in 1995. You don't have that type of personnel anymore, okay? And you guys didn't beat anybody down the stretch. And as I said, the three ranked teams that you played, you did not beat in consecutive weeks and you beat LSU when they were just, uh, as Shannon Sharp likes to say, just a baby in the season playing under Brian Kelly. You did not catch them at the end of the year when they were hot as fish grease, okay? You guys didn't beat anybody down the stretch. Now, as far as Carolina goes, Fiddy, I know you might get mad at your boy about this, but after he eviscerated my Demon Deeks for 448 passing yards, had 71 rushing yards, and 4 TDR in that game, he finished the season with 4 L's, 6 TDR, okay? So I'm saying that after a month of bad football, because that's rare that you see elite quarterbacks play a month of bad football. You might see them play one bad game, maybe two, but college football, especially in this era, when you throw the ball as much as guys doing stuff, you don't really see guys going to a slump for a month. Okay, so with Drake May, that's cause for concern with me, especially when his numbers were so gaudy before that. So all I'm saying is this, if he's the number two draft pick, if he's going to be an NFL franchise changer, I want to see that type of play all season this year. Okay, I'll give you leeway for a bad game or two, but don't give me a month of bad football and then come telling me how great the guy is. Six touchdowns. I could see if he was lighting it up and then Carolina was still losing these games like a Texas Tech type of deal or something. But he was also part of the reasons that they were losing these games. What you got, Fiddy? You had something for him. <laughs> That's what you tease going into the break. What you got for Wes? Okay, so <laughs> Fiddy, after but what, it's you, unfortunate. you had some thoughts as well. It's unfortunate Fiddy can't speak right now. That's hilarious. He had this big old take, and he's, I'm sure he's going to blame it on me. I'm sure he's going to blame me as to yeah. why he couldn't. As far as Drake May, no. Yeah, a bagel guy wrote in that I'm riding the fence on North Carolina that I didn't want to go one way or the other. <laughs> I think 21's fine. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get mad at 21's ranking for North Carolina, that being the spot. What, what do you want me to do here? Like, I'm not going to be angry that a team 
that has a consensus QB going to be taken in the top three. Right. I, maybe I, maybe you disagree with it. That's fine. But so you con- still feel that way. That's all I'm Yes. Okay. Yes. But the consensus is that Drake May is going to be taken that high. So if that's the consensus, and then you have people coming up with the preseason polls, that's got to count for something if it is the most important position in sports, and that guy happens to be playing for North Carolina, even if you have struggled elsewhere. And mind you, it's not like they don't have any talent on that squad. Okay? So, like, North Carolina has el- elsewhere. They've got some talent. So, for me, I'm totally cool with North Carolina being 21. Drake May is a good player. More often than not, last year, he performed. The first 75%, he was fantastic. He did end with three touchdowns against Oregon. I do think the bowl game, he was fine. He didn't throw for a lot, but he did throw for three touchdowns. I don't think he had any turnovers, if I'm not mistaken, trying no, to pull didn't. up that game. You're correct. So, Drake May at least played a little bit better, even if he only went 18 of 35. I believe in him. I think that's good enough for him to be at least a top 25 team. And then if they lose, they'll be out immediately. You're yeah. going to drop five spots if you lose that first game, What is a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, he's no Riley Leonard. So moving on to the uh, right. NBA. <laughs> Last night, we got some action. The Celtics, I mean, kind of predictable. You know, after they lost the first home game, they weren't going to lose two in a row. They blow out the 76ers. JoJo came back. I think he might have been partying a little bit too much, celebrating that MVP. He only comes up with 15 points last night. Did have five blocks, but this was the Celtics' night. They got the job done. And on a night, too, when Jason Tatum only scored seven points, I guess maybe I put a uh, hex on him, so to speak, after I said that he was my MVP from last season. But they also get 23 off the bench from another ACC legend in Malcolm Brogdon. So they get the job done. And do you think that the winner of this series is the favorite to win the whole doggone kit and caboodle? I actually do. Wow. And the reason I think. Wow. <laughs> That's a, are you a car? Wow. You sound like those uh, NHRA drag races, what you sound like trying to start that car up. (laughs) They're going to have home court advantage no matter who they play the rest of the way. Because those two teams won the most regular season games in the NBA this year. Sure. And that includes the NBA Finals representative on the other side. Philly is the one that I could see most people having the argument for. If Boston wins, then... I think that is a normal take to have. Okay. If Philly has it, I could see why most people have a big problem with that. Mm-hmm. I think James Harden, it's tough to buy into him in the playoffs because he's not performed time in and time out, and I totally agree. Joel Embiid being hurt is certainly a reason for concern. If he's healthy, this is all under the caveat that Joel Embiid is healthy, but if he is, then I do think they're the favorite because Embiid is the MVP. I think he's on a mission. This means a lot to him. I do think I buy into the it means a lot to him narrative this year compared to other players that have had that in the past, like a Giannis who had to get over the playoff reputation. James Harden also has that. We saw him with what I think is the best playoff performance of his career. Lower bar for a star like that, but 45 in game one with no MVP like Joel Embiid and you get the dub on the road. Yeah, I'll take that as James Harden's best career uh, uh, playoff performance. I believe in Tyrese Maxey. So when you talk about somebody else that can pick it up, if they, look, Boston just hit a ton of threes in the third quarter, right? So many times you'll look at the box score at the end of the game and you'll say, oh, they got destroyed. They were never in it. That's not true. It happened in the third quarter when Boston hit a million threes. Malcolm Brogdon hit six of them, and it's tough to come back from that. So, yeah, they got beat down, but just like we were talking about with Fiddy in the Miami and the New York series, Philly did what they needed to do. They took care of one game on the road, and now if they take care of business back in Philly, 
they're going to have control of the series even more so. Yeah, I think the favor comes from here. Uh, I can see it to an extent because Boston being hungry after what happened to them in the finals, but that lull that they had kind of close to the end of the season gave me cause to pause with them. But every one of these teams left are flawed to a degree. But I still think that the champion is going to be coming from either Phoenix, the Lakers, or the Warriors. And I know that I picked no Phoenix. And I'm not going to – no, I don't think so. And I'm and I'm going to down that hill with the Suns. I'm not going to waver from my pick. I'm going to stick with them. I think they go back to the Valley and get two of those and turn this series around. Now, Chris Paul, as far as being peanut brittle out there on the court, that's a totally different story as well. But uh, the Lakers and the Warriors as well. And the reason why, when you say that about these teams, when you talk about the Western Conference teams, they have the caliber of guys that can go take home court from you. LeBron has no problem taking home court. Steph has no problem taking home court. Uh, neither does KD. And so I feel like when they get in a final series, home court really doesn't matter to me because any of these stars, even when you talk about Tatum or Embiid, all of these guys are going to take home court. That's why I think these will be knocked down, drag out series. And so, um, I mean, we'll see. We got Lakers and Warriors game two tonight. That's going to be a big one. But I think the Warriors take care of business. I can't see them going down 0-2 uh, at home to the Lakers. So when you talk about the Charlotte Hornets and where they are currently at this moment, what else do the Hornets need to do to construct the playoff roster? Are all the ingredients there? Are there intangibles missing? Maybe like a, a nasty that they need, like a Dylan Brooks type of nasty. Are you trying to wish that evil on us here in Charlotte? <laughs> You're trying to bring let's Dylan go. Brooks let's, over let's here. Have it. No, the, the playoff roster thing, you have LaMelo here. Sure. I think that is someone that can obviously help you with him being the star. Mm -hmm. he, he's the only untouchable asset that you have on the roster right now. Um, you know, in, in logic trades that might show up on the table I you know we can have the PJ Washington debate I think he's someone that really helps you um, you know with, with anybody else Mark Williams the guy can protect the rim love Mark Williams right now but they still have a pretty decent amount of work to do right I actually think Gordon Hayward helps you the problem is you would trade him at the drop of a hat because you don't want to pay him 30 million dollars next season now the, the thing is, he will come off of the book, so it's not like this long contract. It's actually not a big deal to just go ahead and let him play out the rest of his deal. And if somebody else views him as valuable, then you could collect some assets. That might be a way to get him off of the books, but I wouldn't mind him just playing out the rest of it. Yeah, I, for me, I think you need playoff producers in different roles because you're not going to get a star. That's not going to happen. You're not going to be trading anything to come in and get your number two guy. Are you going to factor Miles Bridges into this assessment, or are you going to wait until he signs the dotted Line. Well, Miles Bridges is going to be a part of this team, too. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a part of this team for sure. I, I just, when we're talking about who you can go after to make this team a playoff roster, you probably need more two-way players, right? Because Dennis Smith Jr., a one-way player right now. And, and he can facilitate a little bit, but defensively, that's his bread and butter. And I, I just think you need more veterans to help out this very young team. Dylan Brooks... I just don't see why you would want to go after him. Okay. Dylan Brooks is a good defender. He's legitimately a good defender. But offensively, his usage percentage, Wes, if you look at cleaning the glass, he has the basketball in his hands as much as any other wing to the 80th percentile. And that's down from the 95th percentile he was at the last two years. Okay, so fine. We could just put him in a different role, right? 
Well, not if he's shooting as poor as he is from three. So now you're telling me I'm going to take the basketball out of his hands to help him serve a better role offensively, and then we can have LaMelo drive in the paint, kick out. There's Dylan Brooks for a spot-up three, but he's not shooting well from three. So what am I supposed to do with him on offense if also he's just causing a whole bunch of headaches? I don't know how much money he wants. Ramona Shelburne reported the dude won in $25 million. Okay. It appears the guys are having some connection issues out there at the Quail Hollow Club. We're going to go back, and, we're, and we'll, we'll rejoin you live out there at the Wells Fargo Championship on Wesson Walker. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Sorry if we dropped on you. It happens sometimes on these remotes. We're out at the Quail Hollow Golf Course. Wells Fargo Championship underway. The first round. Fiddy will give you a scoreboard update My man in Webb just Simpson a moment. Walked by a little bit ago. Saw Ricky Fowler walk by. Webb Simpson walked by as well. That's the first golfer you've recognized so far, right? Sure. And we have only had a couple. I, I've seen, so it's funny, I've seen Matt Kuchar twice walk by. I saw Ricky Fowler. And then you mentioned how you saw Webb Simpson. That's yeah, really it, at least. Did he because Deacon he, he saw you, man. because he knows. You he have felt this, it. You have this black and gold aura he just all around yeah. you, 100%. He just pointed to his veins. He's been black and gold. <laughs> Does it, it runs deep. <laughs> Wake Forest family, it runs deep. 704-570-9610. number rode in. Damn, Fitty, you really are tired of the Hornets talk. He dropped us as soon as we were talking Dylan Brooks to Charlotte. <laughs> Fitty, was that you this whole time? Did you go to those sort of links to make sure we did not talk Charlotte? You know, Walker, I know you think that I'm an evil person. I would never, ever. <laughs> drop mm -hmm. y'all just to go to commercial like I would have dropped y'all to give myself more mic time we were up against the break anyway um, I just went to commercials yeah, okay perfect stuff Carolina Dave he he wrote in and he said I'll call in let's make it the Fiddy and Carolina Dave show that would have been it we could have that as like a little intermission yeah. we take a break and then come back with Carolina Dave and Fiddy I'm sure Fiddy would actually be a real big fan of that we were talking Dylan Brooks Charlotte Hornets let's go back to the Carolina Panther conversation before we get to just one Fiddy update one question before that Wes I did have if you look at the Panthers draft history the Panthers have been good, as good as any NFL team, hitting on their first-round picks. And I know that sounds like hyperbole. It's not. Their first-round picks hit, and they do so very consistently. Almost every year, you either feel good, like in an Iki Aquanu case, sure, trajectory is going up, or whether it be Cam Newton, your number one overall pick, whatever, right? First-round picks hit. But in that Cam Newton draft specifically, the draft class was awful, <laughs> except for Cam, right? And that's actually been somewhat of a common theme, too. If you look back at the history, trying to pull it up here real quickly. I got you. You can even go back to last year. 
where Iki Kwanu looks like a guy that's really trending up. And it's still way too early to write off the career of a Brandon Smith, but it's like, okay, you know, we'll see who else can actually contribute. You go the year back uh, before that, and you have a first-round pick that's actually playing well, but nobody else is playing all that well right now. Can this be a class that bucks something that we've seen quite frequently with Carolina, where a first-round pick absolutely hits, but nobody else reaches whatever expectations you set on them? Do you feel better about this class? Uh, I do, but the NFL draft, man, is so tricky because I said that you get really caught up into thinking, especially when it's your team from a fan's perspective, you get caught up into thinking that your team, every single draft pick is going to hit. I remember one time with one of my guys that's a 49er fan with me, the year that they drafted Marcus Lattimore. We just thought that that was a bonus pick, and we were just laughing and just having a good old time thinking about how all of these draft picks were going to turn into dominant football players. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work out like that. And so that's the most difficult thing to, to gauge. I like these Panthers draft picks. I do think there are guys in here. It's a small class, but I think it is going to have some impact. Uh, when you talk about I think Chandler Zavala is going to be uh, a good player. When you talk about DJ Johnson, I mean, we're not sure at this point. Even when you talk about Jonathan Mingo, there's so much uncertainty. I think Bryce Young is really the only certainty, but even with that, we don't know. So when you talk about guys down the line like Jamie Robinson, fifth round pick, I do like him a lot. We talked about it this morning. I put it in the rundown. I think this guy could end up making the roster, but in his slot, it's going to be tough for him to make as a fifth-round pick, maybe he has a, a decent chance of making the roster just because they drafted him. But this guy has pedigree. When you talk about him being a two-time All-ACC performer, he's got seven career interceptions. He played big-time football at South Carolina and Florida State. I think what kind of hurt him a little bit, the 4.5940, the 33-and-a-half-inch vert, maybe not the explosion you want to see from a safety. But during his pro day, they said he was phenomenal in pass catching areas, fast twitch reaction during the cone drills and things of that nature. He forced the 16% force incompletion rate. So he can make plays out there in the field. But it's still the NFL. Guys are still going to adjust. Some will, some won't. But I do think that Jamie Robinson has the propensity to be one of those diamonds in the rough. You read the story, the chip on the shoulder that he has. He talked about how he cried when he fell after the second day. He thought he was not going to go any later than the third round. He talked about how upset he was and how much better he felt he was than guys that pick him. But you hear this from every guy, except probably the number one pick or the number two pick. Every guy talks about those things so we'll see I do like Jamie Robinson a lot I think he's a guy that could kind of buck the trend with the Panthers recent draft history but other than that man it's just so hard to tell yeah it absolutely is it is a really tough thing to judge and we'll see if Carolina can get some of these picks after the first overall selection right in Bryce Young let's send it back to the Planet Kia studios for a scoreboard update Fitty what's happening at Quail Hollow well, guys, some more interesting developments happening out on the golf course. We've got a three-way tie still at five under, still with our guy Kevin Streelman and K.H. Lee, who are done for the day. But now Taylor Moore, he has joined the group. He is five under par. Patrick Cantley, he's four under. The Agala is four under. They're done for the day. Roy McElroy has gotten all is back to three under. And remember, the last update, Gary Woodland, I had him at five under. 
He's now three under through 17, so he's dropped a few strokes. And then the guy that everybody wants to to be updated on, Seamus Power. His day is over. The power <laughs> has gone out for him on the golf course. He finishes his oh, no. day two under par, three off the lead right now. And just a reminder that this uh, leader, leaderboard update was brought to you by the Greater Golf Express. Thanks to Greater Golf Express supporting the show. Thanks to Fitty for giving us the scoreboard update. Going to be interesting to see how this day unfolds. And Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel. Love talking with Rex during golf time. Collins Great brother. to talk to you about Quail Hollow. Yep, it's that is true. That's the first thing I thought when I saw the name. Yeah, the last name Hoggard. It runs deep on WFNZ today. Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel going to be joining us at 2 o'clock. So we'll get more updates and just some analysis on the first round of the Wells Fargo Championship. Yeah, I'm going back with this Panthers history stuff and just looking at what the Carolina Panthers have been able to do, right? Last year it's Icky, then it's Corral, Brandon Smith, Amari Bar Barno, Cade Mays, Kalen Barnes. Corral looks like he's going to be out. Brandon Smith, I know a lot of people have high hopes for. Amari Barno is somebody that could be a situational. I thought he might be one of those late round gems. Situational I rotation, did. rotational guy, <laughs> like situational pass rusher, I think for sure. And then you go to 2021. Remember how many picks they had there? I mean, they had a boatload. J.C. Horn is your first round pick. Terrace Marshall's your second. You still hope to hit on him. Tommy Tremble, Chuba Hubbard. You also have a Brady Christensen in that mix. So you do get a couple of those stars, but I'll even go back to 2020. I'm not going to list every single draft, but Derek Brown, <laughs> Jeremy Chin, and then 2019, Brian Burns and nobody else, right? Nobody else is on the roster from the 2019 draft. That one was particularly bad, just going back in recent history. You know, I'm with you, Wes. I, I do think this is going to be different, but I will say I, I don't want to be pessimistic, but Jonathan Mingo over some other productive wide receivers, there is risk there. Sure. There is risk with DJ Johnson, who is an older player that we're also calling a raw player. So those two things usually don't mix yeah. when you're discussing a draft prospect, but the athleticism, the combine, all of that makes you feel okay. And then if he's just needing to set the edge instead of rush the passer with all of the nuance that comes with that position and skill set, okay, maybe DJ Johnson can work out. And Chandler Savala is an older player. So maybe he can also pan out. You mentioned Jamie Robinson already. Like, Everything is a maybe with all of these prospects. I, I do think there's risk factor with the second and the third round pick, but I'd like them. I took Mingo over, over every other receiver we talked about in the player swap game we played a couple games ago. Josh Downs. I think Mingo has a higher upside to be number one. And I'm just a risk taker anyway when it comes to the draft process. I like going after the trades. I like trying to fi figure out, okay, who can be the best at that spot, even if the floor is worse than some of the other productive players. I'll still go for the high ceiling in some of those cases, especially when you're talking about 39 and 80. And so that's why I'm okay with what they decided to do on draft day. Yeah, and I mean, that's part of the draft, too. You take risk. And all these guys, when you talk about second or third round, they fail for some type of reason. There's some type of flaw that put them there. Now, when you talk about when we played the pick swap game, I'm the type of guy now, especially with my mindset with offense, I like to assemble a weapon. I think of the offense as one weapon. And so I want guys who are going to give me different elements within that offense to create problems for the defense. Sure, Mingo's the big, strong guy that can run. Hopefully on the high side, he can turn into a DK Metcalf. That's what you're hoping for. Or an A.J. Brown, because a lot of people forget that he was a second-round pick He's the closer well. cop. 
Yeah, Mingo and Brown are the closer comp than DK. DK's bigger. But, like, Jason Reed, he was talking about how if you want to compare him to the Ole Miss receiver, it's AJ who is the physical freak but not quite as tall as DK sure. and having the same sure. measurables. And so sure. it, all the same, yeah, I'll take and AJ. AJ was the most productive he out was. of all three of those he guys. Was. And so that's the thing. And you wonder, you know, is that trend going to continue with Ole Miss guys who kind of bloom when they get to the NFL? And when you talk about a guy like a Josh Downs or a Tank Dell and guys like that to where there's knocks on them because of their physical ability, but when you talk about what they could bring to an offense as far as the matchup problems that they could cause, I just like that. I want that more. I want a guy that I can deploy in my offense, that I can put in a slot that's going to be hell on wheels. We remember, we were just talking about Victor Cruz not too long ago. He was just uh, hard out for people in that slot position. Give me a sixth slot that's going to really open up my offense for guys on the outside. I'll find my my outside guys later. But I just thought that maybe uh, Mingo could turn out to be that guy. But I just felt that there were some better weapons overall uh, that they could have gotten. And well, and, and I will say Mingo in the slot does entice me a lot, like a big slot with that it kind of It could be, but that's, that's, a, that's a tough position for a guy to come from playing outside to playing a slot. Like Larry Fitzgerald talked about that. Uh, uh, at depth, in depth, when he had to go from playing the outside to the slot. That is a very nuanced receiver position. And kind of when you have a big guy in the middle, it's not when we've seen the more successful slots in the game, they've more uh, come as smaller players. When you talk about the West Welkers and, and some of those type of guys, you normally do more damage with the quick, twitchy guy in that slot position, you can't get your hands on him, and he's going to be a difficult matchup. You bring him on those drag routes and some of those type of deals to really put the defense in a bad position. Yeah, 704-570-9610. Would like to hear from you about some of these uh, draft uh, positions. Matt was saying how Mingo was a slot in college. He is a slot, and he was performing, and that's what I thought too, but I know they moved him around like a chess piece quite a bit, and so I do think it would be interesting to see what Mingo can do inside running that specific route tree 704 said i'd take mingo over kelvin benjamin any day i don't know if i said benjamin but of course of course you would do that I, i'm trying to think how many big slots are there in the nfl that really do work like that well i think well i think slot. now in the nfl you just put everybody everywhere right like you what what you can do now is you'll put you'll put very good wide receivers that are your number ones that are coming out of the slot. Keenan Allen is somebody that comes to mind, right? And I don't know if he's 6'2", 220 like Jonathan Mingo oh, he's, is. He's about that size. But, well, Keenan Allen is somebody that you've put inside, and Mike Mike Williams on the outside. I know they've had Brown out there as well. Palmer is somebody they drafted. So those are a couple of other ones to uh, understand as well. Here's a question that we got trying to find it back again. Okay. Uh, Daniel and Charlotte wrote, now that rule is out of the way and the harness is off, do you think Mingo and TMJ could become a slighter version of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? Can, can, we, can we get a lighter version? Can we get a lighter version no, of those you two? You can't. Uh, sorry, but uh, <laughs> Terrence Marshall Jr. isn't even in the same stratosphere as either one of those guys. So even a light version. Because it would what's be a light T. version? It of would be T. Yeah, what's a light version of those two guys? Are you yeah. talking yeah, a thousand yards? Like, what, what are we talking here, a light version? Because both of those guys put up numbers. And so I'm thinking a light version maybe. I mean, Terrence Marshall 
let's see him get to 900 yards first before we can start saying stuff. And I don't think it's going to happen this year. Right, uh, that's what I'm saying. Let's let's see that. See the, the yardage total stuff though. That's so hard to to try to set it at this spot and say if you don't reach it or get anywhere close, then you did not break out because it is all context based. And I do think, as you mentioned, if you're Bryce Young and you're saying, did you get open? No. All right. Well, I didn't throw your way. <laughs> Right? We do know also, and Ben McAdoo did this a little bit, when you are, are trying to put LaVisca Chenault in the right scenario, Frank Reich is going to manufacture touches for different playmakers. And so it's going to be hard to get a 900-yard outcome. It's why I don't think Thielen is going to reach 1,000. You and I both disagree on that. Mm -hmm. But it's why I don't think he's going to get that, especially if we're talking about Hayden Hurst being any part that is a bigger role from the tight end position than we've seen in the last five years, sure. whatever, since Greg Olson. It's going to be hard for these guys to hit the high end of their projected yardage totals. So, okay, if, if Terrace Marshall comes out here and just performs, let's say he gives you a few catches a game, right? Let's say three is the average. Let's, I mean, I know that sounds low. I, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if you guys will ever look at pro football reference or anything like that. But when you start to break it down on a per-game basis, people would text in. I know you were talking about this. Oh, 1,000 yards? That's only like 60 yards a game. That's easy. Yeah, man, but... I'm telling you, there was only, I think, how many guys? I think 15. Now, hold on, hold on. But it's it's harder to get that. Yeah, now, let's I mean, not make it like I'm, I'm saying that. It's, I'm just saying that if you're a starter level with the amount of snaps and targets, you should be able to get I'm not that. even speaking about this from a Thielen standpoint. I'm thinking yeah, about yeah, it yeah. from an overall, when yeah, you think I, about But I don't want people thinking I'm saying that it's easy to get 1,000 yards in the league. Well, no, but when people break it down, all you have to get from Thielen is, what, 60 yards a game, and you got it. You know, well, like, less than that now. Yeah, with 17 right, games, right. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. But that's how people will look at it, and they'll think, "Oh, okay, 58. Okay, cool." But that's not how it works. Like you're gonna get your 30-yard games from him every once in a while. Yeah. You're gonna get your 40s. Those things are gonna add up. I I know it sounds weird, mm -hmm. but it always happens where you look. Okay, on average, this should be easy. But man, I'm telling you, it does not hit like you think it does once you start to break it down on a per-game basis. And I got some help for you there when we looked up the slots because what's regarded when I looked at the slot receiver rankings, Cooper Cup is actually ranked the number one slot in football. He lines up inside 55% of the time. They used yep. Uh, and he's six two two. Tyler Boyd's also a pretty sizable guy in that slot. He lines up there 86% of the time. And Chris Godwin is probably your best example of what Mingo could be when you talk about the size that uh, Chris Godwin brings to the table when you look at him in that Tampa Bay offense. And he's a guy that lines up inside yeah, of there that's a uh, big old 75% of the time. So yeah. I think that's the guy that maybe you look at for a comp for what Jonathan Mingo could be. Now, Godwin's not as big as Cooper Cup. Same weight, but six foot one so you know you go there and I think the best example of a big big slot is Chase Claypool he lines up inside 81 percent of the time and Chase Claypool is about as big as you would want a guy to be in there uh, at his size I think the idea right is that the NFL doesn't really care as much anymore Six if, four, two, if, if, if they'll they'll put you wherever they think you can get open sure. it's gonna it's gonna matter in a bunch of different other circumstances who's covering you where you want to put that corner do you want to match up your wide receiver on a nickel that you think they can take advantage of or is the guy going to follow you in some kind of man and then follow you on the inside it's all about that that's kind of the x's and o's and if it just so happens where mingo is better suited to be in that slot 
then that's where he's going to play. He Real- could do damage in there. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think so. That's why I like it. 22 players, by the way, last year had 1,000 yards, right? So when we talk about number one receivers, it doesn't mean you're going to get 1,000. If there are 32 number one receivers, technically, if you want to look at it that way, only 22 of them got 1,000. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do. 704-570-9610. Fiddy, want to get one? Fiddy flash. We didn't do it the last hour. Let's do it, and then let's head to break. What you got for us today? Yeah, I, I wanted to build off an extension of the campus corner. Some big news in the college basketball world today. Everyone was wanting to know where Hunter Dickinson was going to transfer after he decided to leave Michigan and blast Jawan Howard on the way out. He has found his next home, that being in Lawrence, Kansas. He'll play for the Kansas Jayhawks in 2023-2024. And the first thing that came to my mind was that makes the Jayhawks a bona fide contender once again next year, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, the rich continue to get rich. Th- that's how it is. You know? But but that's a that's a big old piece of uh, financial wealth. <laughs> yeah, with Hunter Dickinson going to Kansas. H- how upset are you, Fiddy, before we go to break? What's your thoughts on this? I mean, upset? Not okay, really. Not, I mean, I never knew. I, I never thought he was going to come to Carolina. I didn't want him in Villanova. I want him to go to Maryland. Him and Jameer Young would have been a lot of fun. Him and Can- him and Kansas, though. It's a good one. It'll be fun to see how Bill Self uses a traditional big again. He hasn't done so since what I guess Joel Embiid, maybe. But uh, yeah, Kansas will be back among a team with a legitimate chance to win the national title next year. Is it weird? I don't like watching Kansas games at home. I just think their court is really boring, and I I just don't enjoy watching them play at home. I, I can I can be sure that the traditionalist that is Fitty at the Planet Kia Studios feels <laughs> some type of way about that. I guarantee he feels some type of way. All right, coming up next, it is the game that we probably should not be playing at a golf course. I'm about to wake it up out here. I'm actually kind of scared, but it's fire fizzle. It's coming up next. Star Wars characters, Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I told you it was a scared tease that I had in the last segment because if you were to say, hey, Walker, what's the segment you probably shouldn't do at a nice golf course where a professional, a PGA Tour event is taking place? I'd probably tell you fire a fizzle. (laughs) Because Wes has not controlled the volume before at other places where there are people. And let me tell you. There are people at this quiet event. Very where everybody, quiet. Very quiet. <laughs> yeah, very quiet. Where there are people throwing up the signs, the Happy Gilmore. Right. I guess I don't see any of those signs around here, so we might be in the clear. But we also might experiment with a new way of doing fire or fizzle just for today. A Quell Hollow edition, if you will. Well, we didn't want to give it away, or I guess we can. No, no, it's okay. okay. No, you're, you're, they're going to find out. I'm okay. just, I'm just telling them okay. that there's going to be a new way we're doing this. All right. So may the fourth be with you. It's Star Wars Day. 
Wes once received a kiss from an Ewok. It's all very true. It's all good stuff. So what we're going to do Receipts. is we're going to do fire or fizzle with Wes's Star Wars characters. Lil Wayne in the background here at Quail Hollow, and Wes is about to bring the fire. The question is, are the characters going to do that? We will start off the first Star Wars character up, Wes, Yoda. Now, it's a pretty easy one for me, but you I'm not going to be the authority here. Yoda, fire, fizzle. Listen. When we talk about Yoda, the legendary Jedi Master who led the Jedi Order through the time of the High Republic. <laughs> Already hilarious. Okay, this man is like two feet tall, but you can run down on Yoda if you want to, and you're going to get all the smoke, all the fire, you're going to get everything you want. And not to mention he has a great voice. When we're talking about Yoda. Oh my God. <laughs> you like that? Walker, you like my Yoda. You got to talk in his cadence. You got to talk in his, you, like you will. That's what you got to do. <laughs> like you will. <laughs> there we you will go. take over the Republic. <laughs> and when you talk about Yoda, the baddest MF to mm. do it in Star Wars, the master, he is straight fire. <laughs> that is the wheels far away as we whisper on the golf course. So we've got another character, and then we might have a surprise guest hopping on the mic. Let's Who go to one other character. Fire it better be the president. Or it's Jesus. not. It's not, but he might be in front of us right now. Okay. Do you want to do one more? Oh, we're going to keep doing it. Colin is telling us we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> I think they got scared as soon as they heard the threat in your voice. They have now left because Wes is angry. We got fire. We're trying out the whisper. Everything is kind of disorganized. Let's do it once more. The next one here, Wes. Job of the Hut. <laughs> Job of the Hut. Is he? I really don't know what you're going to do on this one. Is Job of the Hut fire or fizzle? Listen, you talk about Job of the Hut in the Star Wars franchise. He was an antagonist. That means he was a villain. Listen, it took several puppeteers inside of a one-ton puppet to portray this man in Return of the Jedi. And listen, to keep it real, a lot of y'all out here, I've seen a lot of people that could uh they closely resemble one jabba the hut okay just oh no big sloppy all over the place just not camp oh no okay but when you talk about jabba the hut in star wars and what he meant to that franchise and just the visual when you walk in and just saw the slob or whether you want to talk about space balls when he was covered <laughs> in pizza <laughs> jabba the hut is straight how can you not love that oh, yeah. big old rascal? Okay. The big fist, the big boss of them all. He was literally the biggest. Um, we have some requests from Panther Cliff asking if you can whisper in the Yoda voice. Is that something you can do? I'll try my best. <laughs> that's that's going to be tough. Because you got to get some volume behind it in order to get the impression. I'll try my best. <laughs> do you like my... Is that, is that a yeah, good Yoda? Yeah, I like it. Somebody asked if it was Fozzie Bear, but I like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. All right. All right, let's go to the next one. Jar Jar Binks. Listen, Jar Jar Binks, there was a lot of controversy about this cat. He was a character in Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, and had a smaller role in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. But listen, big problem in the African-American community with Jar Jar Binks. A lot of the jive talking, a lot of the ignorance. It was absolutely ridiculous. I could not stand that character. So you know where this is going. I know where this is going. Jar Jar Binks is straight. Fizzle. Get him out of here. Oh, it's Fizzle. Get your job talking. You can take it and shove it. You take this outfit home and you burn it.
Oh, I love KG coming in with Job of the Hut. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a great character, but also he's fizzle at the same. I didn't know we were going to go on that one. I agree. Yeah. All right, let's go rapid fire real quickly okay. so we can get through. We do have a few more. Darth Maul. Fire fizzle. Listen, Darth Maul was a dog. The man flew in. He had the red double saber the first time you ever saw that. He was flipping that thing around like a young master. He was off the chain. So when you're talking about Darth Maul, he is straight. Fire. He was dope. I hated when he took the L's. Is, is he the most, is, is he the most beloved, not beloved, but he's got to be the most popular villain. I know Darth Vader is one. I got it. So you just like, excluding Darth Vader. Yeah, because it's so obvious. Like, but, like, I mean, the, the double, when we saw the double-sided double lightsaber, was crazy. he was just mean. Yeah, 100%. All right. Luke Skywalker. Wes, just tell the people what they need to hear. I mean, come on now. This man was the legendary Jedi Master, fought the Galactic Civil War during the reign of the Galactic <laughs> Empire. And when you talk about everything he went through, the man grew up not thinking he had a father, only to find out Darth Vader was his father. And then at the end, when he was sitting on top of that mountain and fighting that battle, I mean, did it get any better than that? From a movie standpoint, the man was literally on top of a mountain, a mountain, and fighting a battle somewhere mm -hmm. else. So Luke Skywalker, the man for which this franchise is built off of, he and Darth Vader, he is straight fire. Mm -hmm. Don't ever disrespect Luke Skywalker. And the name is fire. And we can talk about the one from Miami, but he gets into a lot of things that I don't think are Star Wars approved. He called me Skywalker when I was playing basketball. Wow. All right, but last you didn't dunk one. on singing night. Yeah, but I dunked when the video dropped. We know that. All right, Darth Vader, last one real quickly before we get to go. Walker, you going to lead me down this, this path? You said you got a good Darth Vader, man. Oh, uh, maybe I, I can do it on the other spot? side. Maybe I can do okay, it. No, it's sweet. okay. No, I'll do it. Uh, yeah, when we talk about Darth Vader, the man that this franchise was built off of. Actually, George Lucas called the first episodic films of the franchise the tragedy of Darth Vader. James Earl Jones, the voice. The power that I wish that I had that he has <laughs> is that when people are talking, saying stuff I don't want to hear, I just want to squeeze my damn fingers so I can just make you shut up. <laughs> So when we're talking about Darth Vader and what he means to that franchise, he is straight fire. Perhaps the greatest movie villain of all time. And don't you forget it or else I will pinch my fingers together and squeeze your damn throat. Okay, there you go. Fire or fizzle. A little bit of a whisper addition. Real quickly, let's go to a golf update from Fiddy before we then move on and welcome Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel. Fiddy, what's going on at Quail Hollow with this edition of the scoreboard update? All right, guys, I do want to start off by saying that this update is brought to you by the Sumner Group, and we'll take a look now at the leaderboard out there at Quail Hollow. Three guys tied at five under, and they're done for the day. That's Streelman, Lee, and Moore, Cantley, Tiagala. They're coming in. They're tied for second, or I guess maybe fourth, I guess. Whatever, however they do it in golf. He's four <laughs> under par. Uh, Roy McElroy, he finished his day three under. Max Fitzpatrick, a guy that I said he was a Swede. Flounder told me he's from England, so I got another flag wrong. Um, <laughs> Gary Woodland, he finished his day two under par. Max Homa, one under par. I'm going to try to find Wes's boy, Webb Simpson. Colin Morikawa with, with two L's, he's one under par through the day so far. Tony Finau, he's even. Uh, Webb Simpson, he's done for the day 
He is even. That is a look at the Quail Hollow leaderboard. Once again, brought to you by the Sumner Group and Watson Insurance. All right. We appreciate the update. We appreciate the sponsorship. We appreciate you for listening. Rex Hoggard on the other side of the break. Weston Walker going to be joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.